Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. We are back in the boiling point. We are. We are, and uh, I'm losing my voice, so why don't you uh, let me know something amazing that's happened today in your life. What has happened amazing in my life today? Um, You know what? It started with a a very cool interview uh, with some folks a couple minutes ago. And, uh, and our guests that, that just left, they were in the house with us here, um, said, oh, you're on with someone from Patagonia? It's my favorite company in the entire world. And now we're talking yeah. with Phil. Well, this is a type of the type of podcast that we have. So Phil Graves is, uh, is our guest today on The Boiling Point. Phil, welcome to The Boiling Point, my friend. Thanks for having me. Where, where, are, you, where are we finding you right now? Where, where about in the world are you, Phil? I am in Dallas, Texas. That's where I'm from originally and uh, hanging out here for spring break with, with some family and old friends of ours. Okay, I must ask you a question about this. You're obviously a big a Stars fan, I'm assuming, right? I am, indeed. You are. Excellent. Now, that's good because Greg, Greg and I, we, you know, he, he knows I love hockey. He's not as crazy about hockey as is Canadian, surprisingly enough. But Dallas is having a heck of a year. Yeah, yeah, it's great. We uh, we were quite good before I moved to California back in 99 and won the Stanley Cup, and that was a ton of fun to watch. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a great team, and they've got some strong momentum right now. Yeah, no, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. Well, oh, enjoy that. You know what? Da- oh, I'm, I'm smiling. I Phil ear Dave to ear is so right happy right now. He's so happy because he's he always tries to throw me under the bus because I don't know hockey as much as I should. So uh, he's got the biggest grin on his face. But you know what? Phil and I could talk about surfing, Dave, and then you would have no really idea. That's anyway, true. let's get right to it. I uh, I connected <laughs> with Phil a little while ago uh, because uh, us at Hemming's House were we were huge fans of um, uh, of all the film work that Patagonia has been doing, Dave, over the years. Um, especially with uh, a film specifically called Damnation that that got us onto the phone with uh, Phil initially. And Phil, after we talked, I was pretty stoked about what you were telling me about what you do at Patagonia, which is lead a, um, it's uh, it's kind of like a sub-company, an investment firm that Patagonia owns that is actually returning a lot of the profits of the company into investments that are really making the world a better place. So why don't we start there? Can you give us an a introduction to what you do at Patagonia? You bet. Well, I, uh, for the company, oversee our in-house venture capital arm called 20 Million and Change. And that is our in-house fund where we invest in environmentally and socially responsible startup companies. So just as you mentioned, uh, to the extent Patagonia has uh, extra cash that's not need for operations, I can take that cash and make minority-level investments in in these these private companies that are doing great things for, uh, for the environment. And what what an incredible give back that is! Um, can we drill back to the to right back to your founder about how this is very much in line with the DNA of the company that he set up? Absolutely. So Patagonia as a whole has done quite well. Uh, we've you know, historically been profitable and, and had cash. And instead of pulling out all the money and and uh, taking it through dividends, the the Chenards, as the owners of the company were, were thinking about. What can we do with uh, with this excess capital that we have? And uh, talked with Rose Marcario, our CEO, and landed on creating a 
venture firm, but doing it in a way that's uh, very unconventional, much like everything the company does. We, we don't do it in a traditional way. So our fund is very unique. And while we have kind of the same high-level methodology where you take, uh, take cash, invest it in companies, and hope for a financial return, we do it in a very different way than a traditional Silicon Valley uh, venture capital firm. And, and like, so Phil, like what would be, um, I guess, the primary difference of a, of a, like maybe more of a traditional VC? Well, we, uh, we follow the triple bottom line approach. So uh, my history is I'm a business finance guy. And if we make an investment, even if a company's doing great things for the environment, if it's not a viable business and it's going to go bankrupt in five years or seven years, then it's not going to be a prudent investment for the planet or for uh, on the profit side. So uh, we look very much at a, at a triple bottom line perspective. So it's what's the, what's the environmental impact of this company's business model? Uh, what's the social impact in terms of how are they, they treating the workers and are they going back in their own supply chain and examining that? And then, uh, you know, certainly looking at uh, the long-term profitability and is this a viable business model over the long haul. And so for us, that could be 10 years, it could be 40 years. Uh, we don't have a set holding period like many Silicon Valley uh, venture capital and, and private equity firms do. So, yeah, so you're not going into it trying to look for the exit. Exactly. Yeah, we have no predetermined exit strategy when we sit down and, and talk to the entrepreneurs. And honestly, if we get a feel that the entrepreneur is doing this just for a quick exit and then they want to move on to the next startup and if the buyer may or may not be like-minded, they, that's not a, a priority for them. If, if that's the case, then we will actually not invest and, uh, and t- instead find somebody that's in it for the long haul. Right on. Actually, I got a question around that. Like, you know, I'm always curious about like, I mean, so I'm guessing on some level, or probably on multiple levels, um, you know, you're, one of the concerns you would have or an interest you'd have is in the, the entrepreneur's um, values, right? And, and, and some sort of alignment of values, you know, given, you know, triple bottom line and not looking for a quick exit. How, how do you go, like, can you share how you go about assessing values and, you know, making sure there's alignment and that kind of thing? Like, what, what's your approach to that? That's a tough one because, again, it's paramount for us in making sure that they are like-minded and, and care about the same things that we do. So we, we spend a lot of time in our due diligence uh, vetting the entrepreneurs. So we'll have uh, discussions with them. We'll bring them out to our, our headquarters in Ventura, California, or go meet with them at, uh, at their location and spend a lot of time getting to know them, understanding their history, what they want to do with this long-term, and why they're doing this and trying to flush out, are they doing it just to make a quick buck or are they doing it because – they're committed to uh, the impact of what this business is doing, so that's uh, you know, it's certainly important anytime we look at making an investment. So you're and you're you know there's so there's also the bullshit test that you're looking for, I guess, all through that probably. <laughs> you know, like, are they telling me Absolutely. what I want to hear, or is there for real? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's where some of the questions that you ask on the supply chain, you can really flesh out the okay, they're doing this just because green is sexy and and very profitable right now as a category or if they really do care about it and they want to, you know, if they're not a 10 out of a 10 in, in all things sustainability uh, today, how are they going to get there? What's the roadmap? And those are the kind of questions where you can kind of separate the wheat from the chaff when you talk to these entrepreneurs. Gotcha. It's hard, it's hard to hide, I guess, when you start looking at supply chains and stuff, I'm assuming for them. Exactly. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and sorry, and Greg, I know you want to jump in here, Greg, but uh, can you give it like, if it's at all possible, is there an example you could share with us of, you know, like a, an entrepreneur or, or a group that, that, that you guys have realized like, oh my God, they're really doing it for all the right reasons. This really aligns with what we're doing. And, you know, just cause I know people love like real examples, you know, is there anyone, is there anything one you could point to uh, as an example? I'm sure you got a few, but, but one that would, you could highlight. 
Absolutely. So I'll point out the uh, the company that made the sunglasses that I'm wearing right now. Uh, they're called Boreo, and they're based in Southern California. And uh, there's three entrepreneurs that, that founded the company. One is a business finance guy, kind of a similar background as myself. One was uh, an engineer, worked for Boeing, on the, and he's, he's a product expert. And the third was a sustainability expert. And these were three friends uh, vacationing in Chile, and they noticed this problem on the Chilean coastline of ocean plastic pollution. And it's a problem everywhere in the coastal communities, but especially Chile with a long coastline. And they're surfers, and so, you know, again, very much aligned with just Patagonia and, and what we're all about at the company, getting outside and, and enjoying uh, the out of doors. And for them, they thought, well, what, what can we do in terms of addressing this problem through business? Because they all understand that business is a very powerful force, and uh, it, could be a, it could be a mechanism to solve this, uh, this problem. And so what they did is they created a company that makes uh, skateboards from derelict fishing nets. So they established these collection points up and down the coast of Chile, and they'll pay uh, local Chileans to collect the nets, clean the nets, keep them from ending up uh, out in the ocean, ending up uh, in a landfill or burned on the beach. And uh, all the nylon that's, uh, that's from these fishing nets they use to make skateboard ducks, and then they recently uh, diversified into sunglasses. So they came out with a sunglass uh, product last year, and have three sunglasses that they offer now. And just a great story of three buddies that came together and, and created a business that has some uh, some big environmental impact. That's fantastic. And and Phil, <clears throat> I know uh, a few others on the in your portfolio be the Wild Idea Buffalo, which is the uh, the, the mobile uh, uh, slaughterhouse, which sounds crazy on on the outset, but when you actually realize what they're and enabling to uh, you know uh, you know farmers to do and uh, be, to be able to get uh, free range uh, animal products who are treated treated humanely and whatnot to market. It seems like a perfect fit. And I look at a few of the other ones you've got, like Beyond Surface Technologies, which is a chemicals company. Um, it, it feels like most of most of the investments are really aimed at environmental concerns. So would that be accurate? It is, and we really like to target companies that can help us with our own supply chain, both on the outdoor apparel uh, side of the house, which is what we're known for, and but also on, on Patagonia provisions on the food side. So you mentioned Wild Idea Buffalo, so that it's not only grass-fed, but it's grass-harvested and, uh, and grass-finished as well, which is, which is really unheard of in the industry. And we think that if we can make these mobile uh, harvesting units uh, popular and scalable, then it can make a huge environmental impact. And if you look at the buffalo bringing back the uh, Great Plains and restoring soil health and carbon sequestration, all of these companies, the common theme is uh, is environmental benefit somehow. Uh, uh, that is just really incredible. Let's go back to uh, <clears throat> the triple bottom line and B Corp. Patagonia is a, is a B Corporation. And I would say one of the flagship B Corps, uh, certainly from our perspective, we use Patagonia often as the example. Um, would you say there has been a real positive uplift for the marketing of the brand um, because of, you know, because of the triple bottom line uh, commitment? Or is this truly just the way it is? The company was built this way and it's just living by the values. Um in fact, maybe I should just repose this question. <laughs> I feel that <clears throat> there's got to be a brilliant marketing lift. Like if, if another company was listening to this podcast considering B Corp 
there's there's a, a lot of really good benefits uh, to this. Uh, I don't know if Patagonia, uh, you know, got certified for that reason or just because it was the right thing. But can you unpack that a little bit? Because there's, there's so many different avenues to take when we talk about a company like yours becoming a B Corp, which is kind of rare in your market. Absolutely. Yeah. For us, it's, you know, it goes back to our DNA and the culture that the Chenards established making fleeces from recycled soda bottles back in 93 using all organic cotton back in 96. So these are things that we've been doing for decades in terms of uh, abiding by our mission statement, which is build the best product, cause no unnecessary harm, and then use business to inspire and implement solutions to the, uh, to the environmental crisis. So we've been doing it forever, and you know certainly you do get a nice marketing pop because of that. But it, again, it's not we're not doing it for that reason. We're doing it because that's the the core of our company, and it's great to see this B Corp movement gaining momentum. And we just uh, closed a solar fund recently, where every party involved in the transaction that that uh, uh, invested in 1,500 uh, residential solar energy systems, they were all B Corps, and we love the fact that. A B Corp bank provided the financing, and a B Corp company was a solar finance company. And it's just, it's great to see uh, B Corps gaining momentum and, and finding these other like-minded partners that we can that we can work with. Because at the end of the day, nonprofits are great, the government is great, but we feel that business is very powerful. And to to make a, a meaningful change in the world that we're in right now, we think that you can harness the power of business for good, and that's what you know. I'm thrilled to be a part of at, at Patagonia. So someone listening to this, maybe they're they're at they're at that uh, they're at a startup phase, or they're looking for some investment. They're listening to this podcast. They're hearing what you do. Um, how would they even get on your radar? Like, what would they need to do to uh, attract interest and 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 even even um, looking at them at as, as a prospective uh, um, you know client or investment? The first thing I would say to do is take a, cl- a close look at your business model. So if you've uh, if you're familiar with our fund, you've seen the types of companies that we invest in. Again, from this podcast and other materials, you've probably gathered that the primary lens we look through when we make an investment is what's the environmental impact. And if you do check those boxes, then we'd love to hear from you and, and take a look at your business and see if it's a good fit for our investment fund. So you can you can find more information and apply actually on our website uh, or by sending an email to info at patagoniaworks.com. Excellent. And then and is, <clears throat> is there any, like, I'm, I'm assuming I'm going to ask this question, maybe it's a silly question, but there's no, you know, like geographic challenges for you guys. Like you guys are, you, you look at company really regardless of where they're from. Absolutely. Yep. So we've, uh, we made a lot of investments in the U S just cause that's where we're based. And that's where a lot of our interests has come from in terms of applications. So we've also invested uh, internationally as well. So Beyond Service Technologies, that company you mentioned that, uh, earlier, was uh, was based in Switzerland. So we we do it global and we make investments. Phil, I've I've got a, a, a an interesting question. I find in the space of outdoor um, clothing and apparel, Patagonia is one of those epic global brands, um, and that's why it's really exciting for for people to know that. You know that this this brand is so committed to uh, the, the original you know values that the owners uh, set, and they're a B Corp and whatnot. What's some other companies that you've stumbled upon that are really leading their their market uh, that are that are doing similar great things, and maybe even in the B Corp world, or or maybe not, but businesses that are really built in their DNA to make positive social change and environmental change. What, what what's a few others that would be kind of uh, so similar in your class? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be I'll be a, a homer and say all our portfolio companies certainly do. A lot of those companies are B Corps, like Braille, I mentioned, for example, is a great illustration of a company that's you know doing all the right things in our eyes. Uh, I would say Dr. Bronner's again is, is one of our, our sister companies that uh, uh, has done great things for a long time. It, it's tough too because I feel like uh, in in the U.S. with the public markets, it can be a challenge if you have. A, uh, a triple bottom line focus because again the way that it's structured right now it's so much about profitability and what is your what is your quarterly earnings and, and growth from last quarter mm-hmm. and so I think w- what we need to do broadly is take a more holistic approach to business and take a long term focus and then I think we will see more uh, publicly traded B corps more B corps of scale like a Patagonia of the world and that's what I'm really excited to see in the next five or ten years. And who are so like we've got Etsy as as, as a public uh, publicly traded company that is uh, that's a B Corp as well. <clears throat> what are some of the other like large publicly traded ones? This is really interesting to to think of. You know, there's not many actually. There's one in South America that's a cosmetic company. I believe that's Brazil. Uh, but you mentioned Etsy. There's there's not very many other examples to point to of large uh, publicly traded B Corps. And I do think that's going to be a big shift in the the corporate paradigm that we see here in the next five or so years. Yeah, that'll, that'll be really interesting to watch. Uh, so on, on a personal level, you know, you, you have um, the ability to, to really change a, a company's whole trajectory, right? Um, what is, what does that feel like? Like what's that experience like where you're, you know, and, and it sounds like it, you know, you, there's this, uh, we see in your bio here, um, and by the way, we're looking at your picture, and, and I think you look like a hockey player, too, so that's a real compliment <laughs> to you. Uh, you could have played for the Dallas Stars for sure, or still could, actually. Um, but it says, the you know, like, the, 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 one of the rewarding aspects for you is the opportunity to demonstrate that business can work for people, communities, and the planet. So I'm thinking, um, you know, so you kind of, you know, you, you have the ability to really change a company's people's lives. Like, what's what's that like for you? It's incredible. Uh, at my old job as a consultant, I, I would say that I learned a lot uh, working with uh, global Fortune 500 companies. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're very much a taker of work. So if a company has a problem, you come in and solve it and get paid handsomely to do so. Mm. But the fact that I can align my personal interests, because I have three little girls, I love taking them backpacking in the Sierra Nevada mountain range, I love surfing with them, and I, I just love being outside. And to be able to, with my job, change the trajectory of these companies and, and, and nudge business to be a power for good, it, it's amazing. So I, I would very much characterize what I do as a dream job. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I would do it for free. Don't tell Rose that, our <laughs> CEO, but that's, that's exactly what I want to do with my career. Uh, actually, and just a follow up to that real quick. I know we're, we're towards the end, but how how did you come across this? Like you're in the consulting world, you're probably working for I think I read here some of the yeah the big the big the big you know consulting companies. How did you how did this come across your path, and you know how did this all line up for you? Because I mean, is that's everyone's you know, and you're talking to two entrepreneurs here, right? That wake up every day, and you know, I mean, there's there's ups and downs to the business, but ultimately doing what we love. Um, so when you, you we certainly get it when someone says, "Man, I just I love what I do." I do it for free. Don't tell anyone. Totally get that, by the way. Um, how did it? How did this happen? How did this come come about for you? Well, the timing was sublime. So I was uh, knocking at the door of, of the partner track, the big consultant firm that I worked on. I knew that I didn't want to be a partner there. 
And so I stepped back and said, okay, uh, Alicia, my wife, like, you know, we're, we want to stay on the West Coast and of, of, of the West Coast companies, who would be at the top of the list of the places to work? And Patagonia for me was number one, just given the fact that I love the gear that we make. I'm an avid uh, user of, of Patagonia products. And uh, certainly just the corporate culture that the Chenards have built up over the last 40 years about thinking about employees holistically and you're not just getting uh, – getting taken advantage of to, uh, you know, to, to, to be, um, to be a productive worker. So the fact that, uh, we were just launching this venture fund, the timing was sublime because Rose, uh, Mark Carey, our CEO was running that as well, as well as doing about a million other things at that point in time. And so was fortunate that my, uh, resume made it to her and we had a phone call and hit it off and, and the rest is history. Wow. So you, you were ready for the change and it just, it kind of, in a way just showed up and kind of, that's, that's cool. That's cool. I think that's probably going to be the most inspiring part for many of our listeners. Yeah. Because it's possible. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. you don't have to be an entrepreneur <clears throat> to, to make these uh, these adjustments. That are where, where, where do you live now, Phil? I'm in Ventura, California. So I'm, I'm uh, based in uh, the same city as Patagonia and, and love it out there. I get to surf at lunch and uh, uh, take advantage of our organic cafe <laughs> and preschool that we have on site. So oh, it's living the dream. That is the dream. You, the you, dream you, and Greg, you got to send pictures of surfing here at lunch. Yeah. Yeah, Phil, I, I, I got to do that, man. Seriously, I got to show you the waves. We call it the chocolate soup. The waves that we that we surf back here. But uh, I'll, I'll send you some videos uh-huh. sometime. <laughs> anyway, Phil, I thanks. look forward to seeing you. Yeah, but totally. Listen, thanks so much for your time, man, and uh, really looking forward to staying in touch with you down the road. And uh, thanks again for everything that you do for all those other entrepreneurs that you guys are supporting. Yeah, thanks, Phil. And, and, a, and a quick prediction on the Stanley Cup this year. Dallas Stars, all the way. <laughs> Love, it. <laughs> Love it. He's a homie. Good stuff. Thanks, Phil. All right, Phil. Cheers. All right. Take, take care, Jeff. See ya. Bye now. Great guy. Uh, what, what a fun, fun, fun guy. It, what a neat story, eh? Well, I just the very fact that Patagonia is such a beloved brand and such a successful, profitable brand is doing so many interesting projects, like reinvesting the profit, not only back into them, themselves to continue to be a positive influence on the environment and uh, in society, but also helping other small companies who are, have the same value set uh, succeed. I think this is just, it, it, it yet again takes me to that point of why I picked up the Patagonia hat a few months ago. And it was right beside another brand hat, that, another brand that I really appreciate, but I remember I had both hats in my hand and I ended up saying, you know what, Patagonia's family, their B Corp, and I know what I know for sure what they what they stand for just by the way they act. Isn't that interesting? You know, and you know, we're talking about a twenty two dollar purchasing decision. But it's, I was going to say you didn't uh, even mention the. I was going to say you didn't even mention the price. So what? So takeaway for you is what? Oh, it's just it's inspiring as I'm growing my business to know you know. You know, I'm not the type of guy who's building a business to to exit. I'm building a business to create value, and that's what Patagonia has done on a very large scale. And uh, I think that's a good takeaway for me. Absolutely, reinvest your profits in the right place. Yeah, and and, you know, for me, it's just interesting to hear the perspective of someone coming out of kind of the the traditional consulting house and um, you know working with more you know traditional companies in terms of how they how they generate profit. And to hear kind of that shift to triple bottom line. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, it, it, and the more I learn about it, and I have to thank you, uh, Greg, for the B Corp stuff. Like I'm, I I'm kind of uh, influencing that a little bit. Eh? You, well, me, big <laughs> but time. But you're going to be a B Corp before we know it, so I I'm know, really excited well, about that. That's going to happen. But, <laughs> and, um, so it's been great. But, I mean, it's just kind of what keeps coming home for me is that, is, um, you know, you know, this idea that business can do good. 
I mean, that's the whole reason I got into business. But I, I was, I always kind of thought, well, I'm, maybe I'm crazy. But, but I mean, and there's a backstory to that I'll share with you someday. Um, but that was the purpose. That was it. You know, because you know, I was headed in uh, in the in you know trying to finish off my degree in social work and work within government to try to to do good. And I I ran into a big brick wall called a budget one year um, that a government hand down. And I just thought, geez, there's better ways. There's probably a more, better way to influence. And and but now, but then so now it's kind of coming like full circle. I'm hearing about people, you know, using business for for change, and we're hearing it in all these interviews. And Phil's a great example of that. And and do you hear how the other interesting thing and and you'll. Uh, appreciate it because I, I know you and I try our hardest to live with, but he also talked about his decision and, and how it aligned with his family. I know. Yeah, and, you know, and to mention three daughters and that kind of stuff because, you know, that that is so critical. So anyways, thank you, Phil. And I don't know if the Dallas Stars are going to win, but I, I appreciate your, your, your uh, enthusiasm. Okay. Well, listen, Dave, thanks so much. And I've got a challenge for you next week. Well, okay. okay. Next right. week? Remind me at the beginning of the next episode. Okay. All right? Yeah. See you later, man. Which is what challenge? No, you're not going to tell me? No. I'm going to tell you next week. See you next week. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.